you can you, let's dive you in can, just hit, I'm, I'm hit record i know you're ready it's so good to see you because mm-hmm. i've been following we've all been following the adventures on social media and i can't wait to get into it i can't wait to hear firsthand about everything that happened mm-hmm. on the triumphant tour i'm ready yeah have we pushed record yep okay <laughs> we are in record mode. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. I, I'm excited to be here. I, I'm ex- I'm just going to ask my spirit, my spirit animal, mm-hmm. and ask my spirit guides, my angels, my higher power. Do, am I supposed to hold your hand at this? Why are we? You don't holding have hands? to. Hold, what, I don't know who. What God hands? you pray to? I, do you pray to a God? Do of you course. believe in a power greater than Amitabha? Asmodeus, Belphegor, <laughs> some of the lower echelon demons. Hey, whatever it takes. Just as long as that demon is more powerful than you, <laughs> right? That's, so I'm going to ask. Right. I'm going to ask my better angels to help me deliver, because I feel a lot of pressure to deliver a good podcast right now. Because th- a lot of the reason that I get to do this is because of you in the first place. <laughs> yes. So you know, you are, and I know you are incredible. It has nothing to do with. I, me. I, I do know that, but as soon as I I came up with the concept for this and started to talk to producer Richard Sheltinga about the show, I knew that you would be one of the best guests I would ever possibly have. That's all. Well. I'm sitting here with a giant figure a towering figure in my life that's rude to start off a podcast by calling me fat <laughs> i'm fat you know how fat i am i had how to take, fat are you i had to take off my belt yeah you rolled in here my with my belt, belt off. i know i, I rolled in here I, with my belt off i did think that that was I, weird you know, i'm driving around town without a belt now well i, I unbuckle it and unbutton my pants because it's the, the buckle is starting to get into the gut i've been eating a lot of carl's jr lately a little bit of jack in the box you know, I had I had, I've uh, had Burger weird... King for the first time <laughs> while on tour because it was the shit. only food that was available to did us. It, did it stand up to the eighties? Because I haven't had Burger King. I don't. Think I've, ne- like I, I've never had it. So, did you have a Whopper? I had some weird thing. It was uh, we were in uh, Amsterdam, so I don't know if it was a Whopper. Didn't have a Whopper name. It had. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, it worked out though. It was a burger though. You had a burger. Yeah, and it was you had a Dutch burger, and it, and it caused a, 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 a real kerfuffle inside <laughs> my body. I had a real prominent loaf uh, before traveling home. It keeps you regular. Oh, you it know, did it keeps, something. It keeps you regular. Yeah, not just to me, but to everyone who had. Mm-hmm. Were you on a bus? Were you on a tour bus? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was really a good time. We're going to get into we're going to get into talking about the tour with Mr. Ahmed Zappa. But let me just say, he's a towering figure in my life. He is a friend. He is a, a collaborator. He's someone that I have had the good fortune of working with, selling projects with, writing with. A friend, a collaborator. Some of the greatest creative moments I've had in my life have been with the gentleman on the other side of the table from me. A guy who is a dad, a husband. A producer, a director, a writer, a performer, a fucking singer, someone filled with the power of rock, (laughs) someone who has the power of rock coursing through his veins. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today on the Brando cast is none other than the legendary Amit Zappa. That that was a very misleading... (laughs) 
uh, opener. But uh, thank you. Yeah. I feel good about what you said about me. I yeah, like it's it. True. I, some of the greatest creative endeavors that I've been involved with have been with Mr. Robinson. It's true. I, I cherish our friendship. We've known each other for many years. We've worked together for many years. We've had some heartbreak when when MTV passed on our. Fucking unbelievable cartoon show, Metal yeah. Wolf, The Adventures, the, the Misadventures of a Time Traveling Heavy Metal Band. That was my first big heartbreak in Hollywood. Well, I mean, I gotta say, the that that <laughs> the journey to get there, we saw someone stuffing a body into the back oh, yeah. of a burgundy oh, yeah. jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We saw a possible murder. Yeah, it's true. A cop maced <laughs> you said Godzilla, to me, his you, old dog. You said to me <laughs> as as I mean, so it's so weird. I mean, we we literally see this guy who looked like a German tourist shoving, uh, kicking, and screaming. I don't, lover, I don't know. It's still kind of a mystery. Yeah, shoving a body into the back yeah. of the Jaguar and slam, as we driving slamming, the slamming the trunk on his legs, mm-hmm. and we were like, ah, 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 and we were like, what the fuck? We drove, we drove by, mm-hmm. and because you said what the fuck. Right. I was like, you know what? I'm going to back up. Right. And this is not an exaggeration. I back up slowly. This is in on Mulho- off Mulholland in the hills of Hollywood. Off I, Mulholland, a, a nice house. I roll down the windows. Right. And do you remember what I said to the guy? Hey, you got a dead body back there? Almost. Well, I well, said, excuse me. <laughs> Are you murdering someone right now? <laughs> and the guy goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was. We'll talk about something that n- fucking oh no one, no one believes me when I tell that story. And thank God you were there because you and I are the only two people that truly understand how fucking crazy. That well, because anything is possible in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, murder happens all the fucking time. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're rich; you're gonna fucking murder someone up there. But the story doesn't end there. Oh, no, no. The story, there's a, there's a, there's a phone call to the cops. There's a visit. <laughs> yeah, I got fucking... There's a macing of a dog? Yeah, I, well, uh, they were trying to mace poor Godzilla, rest his soul. Oh, my, an amazing my, dog. My dog, and I, I was, to protect my dog, got in the way of the macing. And uh, I can tell you right now... It's like fire. <laughs> it, re- it really is. It really is. I've, I've been ma- self-maced before when I was working on a game show for MTV. When you thought it was Banaka and it was Mace? <laughs> no, no, no. No, we were, we were putting together, like, this was the years before Jackass. We were putting together a show that basically would have been like a game show version of Jackass, where you make, like, dumb guys from USC do, do bullshit stunts, like shoot them with paintball pellets in the face and stuff like that. And one of the ideas was, you know, can you withstand Mace? And I was like, all right, well, if we're going to make some young kid do it, I'm going to do it. Just threw up everywhere. That's the bottom line. <laughs> Sweet. You don't need to get into the so story. So Mace works. Threw, oh, Mace works. Mace, yeah, Mace, Mace works. is fucked up, especially Bear Mace. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how the Brando cast works. Yeah, well, what, lay, lay it on. What, I'm what, what, do, are, what am I in store for What today? you're in store for today. Well, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. Okay. But, I'm a little nervous. But basically... I'm going to read you the history of a band that you might not know or you might not like. Oh, Jesus. And we'll just see where that particular... I hope I like the band. I don't know if you know if you like this band or if you know this band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar. Okay, this I can hang with. This is good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like this. You know who this is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who is it, Ahmed Zappa? It's it would be my my old man. Frank Zappa. Frank Vincent Zappa. Born December 21st, 1940. Frank Zappa was an American musician, composer, activist, and filmmaker. His work is characterized by nonconformity, freeform improvisation, musical virtuosity, and satire of American culture. In a career spanning more than 30 years, Zappa composed rock, pop, jazz, fusion, and orchestral works. And he produced almost 60 plus albums that he released with his band and as a solo artist. Zappa also directed films and music videos and designed album covers. He is considered one of the most innovative and stylistically diverse rock musicians of his era. Frank Zappa. Awesome dude. Now listen, when we chose this, we, we, he and I chose this for sort of very specific reasons. We're not going to get into a Zappa nerd off. I, I, I'm down, when I I'm down to for go the journey. To, when I started to go online and just look, you know, uh, up, there's so much stuff that has been written. Your father has been analyzed and analyzed and analyzed and analyzed and talked about and written about and taught about. There's so much stuff out there. So maybe it, today, for me, for you me, can fill in the blanks somewhere. I don't know if I can, but for but for me. If you lose someone that you love, um, you know, I feel really blessed because I don't know if, uh, if someone, if their dad was a lawyer or bus driver or whatever, that they would have uh, that, you know, photographs, videos, m- music, you know what I mean? When they pass on, it might be a different kind of um, hole left in their heart. Uh, and I'm just really grateful that. You know that I have these um, that there's fans out there that I can that I can talk to that love my dad, uh, but that also th- that the work is left behind because I it makes me feel like I am closer to him. So well, let's I, talk about that because the real the the coolness of what's happening right now in life mm-hmm. as we sit here is that you have just completed the first hologram tour of your dad, so you have gone out there mm-hmm. representing delivering and bringing a new Zappa experience to those fans. And it was unbelievably successful. It was a real labor of love, uh, very time consuming to put it together. Uh, for me personally, um, you know, I got to flex a bunch of muscles that I don't necessarily normally get to do in my day to day responsibilities as it pertains to the ZFT. Right. Uh, you know, normally, you and I both know Brendan and I have worked together, uh, written shows and created content and done a bunch of stuff together. And that's, that's normally what my day to day always was until my mother passed away and I had to start working for the, you know, Zappa family trust. But, uh, you know, I got to do what I normally do, uh, in kind of collaboration with, Something I deeply care what about. You, and what you business. do best is taking an idea from the ether mm-hmm. and bringing it out into the world. I mean, that's part of your gift is that is get that divine inspiration and then just put it on the table and say, hey, let's try to execute this. Well, I, I, it was I mean, a, you're like a channeler of fucking constant creative content. Well, I, I mean, 
I view everything as storytelling and, mm-hmm. and, uh, nothing makes me happier than to be hopefully able to, you know, share a story or create something new. And I found myself, uh, enjoying being on the road and the little part I played musically in the shows, uh, cause it's, it, it, it's really about, did you sing every night? Did you sing a song every night with the I, band? I did a live band. I, I, I play a couple of different songs or I would work on, um, you know, trying to do something totally crazy and, and, uh, like if it was jumping in the audience and trying to rally everyone to do a conga line, if it was having a dance off on stage, if it was to do exorcisms, musical exorcisms, you know, I would, I would, you know, uh, throw caution in the wind and uh, dive into the audience and try to have these very impromptu, um, hopefully bizarre and fun experiences with people that were there to celebrate the music. And, you know, for those people who don't know what the bizarre world of Frank Zappa show is all about, uh, you know, we utilize things that, you know, appear to be holographic projection that, uh, you know, if you're if you're if you see the show, it's as if Frank is standing there uh, back on stage with the guys he loved to play with. And but that's not all that the show and is. the musicians were guys who actually had been in the band at yeah. one point or another. Uh, totally. A, lo- a lot of the people that, that Frank loved to you know, play with, but, but the show really is this whole immersive multimedia experience. Every song has a different visual style, different approach to kind of, you know, highlight, emphasize, uh, you know, the lyrical content, the musical content. So every song had a visual, a visual element that was designed for that song. Yeah. And it was rooted in, uh, either some experience I had with Frank uh, or, you know, or, or just different art styles I know that he liked. But for me, the show being very personal and, you know, I, I, I mentioned this a couple of times, but, you know, when I learned that Frank was sick, uh, I was 15 and I, I was always a comic book nerd. The, the person who first introduced me to comics was really my, my mom and dad anyways. They were big fans of Marvel Comics. My dad was one of the first people to advertise his records in what? Marvel Comics. Boom. See, and, that's that's all I need. And he actually... Did he it, know Stan Lee and those guys? Ish? Uh, uh, well, Jack Kirby would come over, so okay. I got to yeah. spend time with <laughs> Jack, and they, they, were, they were friendly. I remember Jack saying that uh, he felt... You know, that Star Wars really ripped him off. That he's like, Well, Darth Vader is Doctor Doom. And he oh, gave like shit. the he gave like oh, the whole yeah, the whole break it, the yeah. whole breakdown of of <laughs> you know, uh, the yeah. things he created Because he drew something that fucking looked like a stormtrooper at some point. Oh yeah. You know, all the new, That's the new gods and uh, and a you know a, a, inhumans. A, yeah. Um but he Jack was from what I know, he he brought me a bunch of Mister Men books too. He's really sweet, and he he uh, signed some stuff for me. Gave me some some Silver Surfer graphic novels, and I always liked the Silver Surfer. My mother always liked the Silver Surfer. Uh, I I like to think that Doctor Strange is actually visually based on my dad, um, and I and, huh. and and people have. I mean, huh. Alex Ross, as an example, in the in the graphic novel Marvels used him uh the jazz from hell album cover because the the shorter haired version of <clears throat> uh 
shorter haired version of Doctor Strange. Although you always had kind of short hair, but the if you look at I got you. I understand what you're saying. You'll see that it is literally, you know, Frank was and the great artist Alex Ross felt like, oh yeah, they they used a little Frank right there. Well, I I I talked to Alex about it, you know, so I I know that he did, and and it was you know what an honor, and he's he's an amazing uh, artist, but um, I'm all over the place. But when I learned that Frank was sick. You know, the way that my teenage mind kind of prepared myself for his passing, I like to think that soon, you know, they gave him three months to live. My dad was a macho Italian dude, so he fought it for, you know, three years. But I was kind of preparing myself for when he was going to go power cosmic. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a notion that stayed with me my entire life, and I didn't realize it until really being in the journey of making the content for the bizarre world of Frank Zappa show that, that the show really in the beginning is him, Frank being full power cosmic and then bringing like collecting that energy so that he could appear on stage. Yes. Uh, in a form that he predicted. Yeah. And he wrote about it in his, you know, my dad was always into holography. He wanted to start a company. Um, he actually wrote about it in the real Frank Zappa book, chapter 18. And he talked to me about it a lot when I was a kid. So, you know, having the opportunity to work on this show felt to me like I was dotting the I's and crossing the T's on, on things that I know that he was really interested in and just didn't get a chance to, to do in his lifetime. Uh, and literally, delivering his spirit not I, just the spirit of the music but his spirit his humor his his essence is well his i tried energetic I, being I, I tried really hard to have uh to create a night of music and experience uh a concert that could feel like uh frank in the early 70s you know yeah um and and but if you closed your eyes and just didn't look at any of the visuals at all. What you were hearing were mostly unreleased performances of Frank, his vocals, his guitar playing. So his with, vocals were live vocals from yeah. Australia, 73, or New York, uh, 74. Well, the the I started with something that we internally call the Primor shoot. That was the, the production company my dad hired to shoot a rehearsal, a band rehearsal in the early 70s. Here in L.A.? Yeah. So the only people that ever heard that music were the 20 or so some odd people that might have been in the room wow. in their rehearsal facility. Was that so, at Joe's Garage? Where was that done at? That was that was before we had Joe's Garage or someplace uh, in in Hollywood. Um, but, you know, the, the, the those performances are really awesome. It's it was a great time. And never released. Never released. No, one's, live album no one's ever heard it, seen it. Wow. You know, uh, you know, if they have, it's been only in little tiny things that we might have put out there. But the majority of the the uh, that content, um, the only people that have now heard it are people that experienced it at the bizarre world of Frank Zappa shows. Amazing. And visually, you know, this is in my mind's eye. I see my dad that he looks to me when I close my eyes like. Uh, the apostrophe album cover. Mm-hmm. So, and I tend to like those, those records from that era um, a lot. So that's, that's where we got the visual basis for, for the show. But there's just so many different weird things that happen. Well, the show is aptly named the bizarre world of Frank Zappa. For well, a I, well, I want to hear more. I absolutely want to hear more. As a self-taught composer and performer, Zappa's diverse musical influences 
led him to create music that was sometimes difficult to categorize. While in his teens, he acquired a taste for 20th century classical composers such as Varese and Stravinsky, Anton Webern, along with Varese. 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 Yeah, whatever. I don't know who those people are. Along with, I like Rush and Iron Maiden. Along with 1950s rhythm and blues and doo-wop music. Your dad liked Johnny Guitar Watson, Guitar Slim, Howlin' Wolf, and B.B. King. He began writing classical music in high school while at the same time playing drums and rhythm and blues bands, later switching to electric guitar. His 1966 debut album with the Mothers of Invention, Freak Out, combines songs in conventional rock and roll format with collective improvisations and studio-generated sound collages. He continued this eclectic and experimental approach to music, irrespective of whether the fundamental format was rock, jazz, or classical. That's the sort of Frank Wikipedia that's out there. Freak Out. Awesome. This this particular song, uh, we do a different version in in, uh, in uh, the live show, uh, Bizarre World of Frank Zappa. <clears throat> and you know the thing that's I think interesting about Frank's music, uh, he would constantly change the the each song, right? So yeah. Uh, you know, if you like this version, there's going to be ten other versions that sound totally different that are equally likable, and and it's just a new way to you know hear a song all the time. Well, here's the crazy song. thing. Now, you know, the thing about this particular podcast, usually I like, you know, talking about a little bit of music, but talking about what you had for lunch and how the kids are doing in school. But this, there's a lot of stuff going on right now that's converging around. This era of music. There's a new documentary out called Echo in the Canyon about mm-hmm. the Laurel Canyon music scene. And your dad was one of the first musicians, I looked this up, to actually move into Laurel Canyon. Yeah, no, he, he I, I like to think of my, my mom and dad as the, you know, king and queen of, of Laurel Canyon. Uh, there's so much that transpired at the log cabin, uh, which was. Was that this- his first house? Because he moved, yeah. I read that he moved into Laurel Canyon like almost right away. He had he had a, uh, an apartment in Echo Park. Hipsters, Frank was there long before you. Sixties, <laughs> his first apartment in L.A. was in Echo Park. How he, amazing is that? He, uh, I think. He did had, you know that? Uh, I I did know that, and I deny it. I don't like to talk about it because <laughs> Echo Park can blow me. <laughs> Sorry, Echo Park. <laughs> um, but Echo Park, but. Uh, you know, he at that time, which is really weird because I, 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 I was never in an automobile that my dad drove. Uh, he had a green. I want to say it was like a like the Brady Bunch, like green, like uh, a Pinto, or a station wagon, like a station wagon. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And I'm try if not any, a gremlin. If anyone ever has or knows of a picture of that vehicle with Frank, I would love to see that. That's on my bucket list of of. What's your twi- What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Ahmed at Zappa.com. Uh, Zappa. What's your Twitter? At, at Ahmed, Ahmed Zappa. Zappa. Yeah, at Ahmed Zappa. Right. Send him that picture. But, I mean, so the, the movie Echo in the Canyon gets into the idea that the, the mamas and the papas were in Laurel Canyon. Some of the birds were in Laurel Canyon. Yeah. All these musicians, uh, Brian Wilson is living in Laurel Canyon. Your dad is in Laurel Canyon. All these musicians are there, and there's music everywhere, and people are going house to house, turning each other on to things, yeah. visiting each other, inspiring each other. 
in this one very specific location where you were conceived. I don't. I mean, know, I, I, I mean, geographically conceived. I'm not talking about the house. Yeah, no. I, I, the were you were the you not conceived cabin, in, in Laurel Canyon? I'm sure that I was, mm-hmm. um, but not at the log cabin house. They moved. They moved. He had to a couple different houses, lo- different location, right? Because there was a New York stint for a while with your mom and dad. Well, Moon was born in New York, and they had a really, you know, tiny apartment. Um, in fact, if you go to the Bizarre World of Frank Zappa show, there's a there's a segment in there where I have some really sweet footage of Frank and 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 Gail, <clears throat> where you can just see how much fun they were having and. Uh, they're struggling at the center of it. Yeah. They're at the beginning of like one of the most important periods of rock. The best time, the best time. I, I wish I was born, you know, I don't know, 15 years earlier. So I could be, I guess in my twenties, you know, in the, in the, who did they like in the seventies? Can you tell us who did they like, who did they respect? Who did your dad respect? Because I know your dad was one of those guys that, Musicians bent over backwards to to get his seal of approval. You to like get who, a nod from who, him. Did, but who like, did he like? Just socially hanging out with, or did who did he respect as an artist? Like um, contemporaries of his that he would have respected as an artist. He, uh, you know, he was influential in in Alice Cooper's career. We know that, but uh, yeah, but I don't know if that's the. I would just I would assume that he had respect for Alice Cooper. Um, but I, I think that what you're asking, I have to think about, cause in the mm-hmm. way that you're asking, I like, you know, who did he, yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, John Lennon, uh, Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix, right. he really, really liked, you know, Jimmy a lot, but he, he didn't like that. He was, you know, uh, doing a drug things. addict. Yeah. He really didn't like that, but he, cause that's the, the crazy thing about your, the perception of that time and your dad, mm-hmm. your dad was not a drug Abuser. Well, I, a drug user. I, I asked him way later in life, you know, I think it, if this is what you're really going for with the question, which was, you know, what, you know, do you like the Bee Gees as an example, thinking that there's no way that he was going to say yes. And he was like, yeah, I like the Bee Gees. My favorite song from the Bee Gees was the song called Red Chair Fade Away. Right. Uh, and I was uh, like, oh, uh-huh. that, that's interesting. <clears throat> and then when you listen to it, you know, that that particular song, you're like, well, then like. Well, I didn't get a chance to ask him why I didn't have it. You know, the internet wasn't around, so I couldn't ask my friend, the internet to, you know, play the song. Uh, so, uh, that, that I thought was interesting. And then maybe as the, a, as a composition, maybe he just liked the way that it was pieced together. Well, and- no, he, yeah. I mean, all of that, but, but that's, that's earlier. Like I think in late sixties, uh, maybe mid sixties, that, that particular track. Um, so, you know, just got to think about what he was listening to because he w- he wasn't really playing a lot of contemporary, or I guess the music that was out at the time mm-hmm. that wasn't played in the house. You know, yeah. So he he yeah. always liked his classical artists and a lot of the doo wop, but you know, um, he I asked him once. If you liked uh, the bands I liked, you know, Enough's Enough, which is a band I really did. And he thought, yeah, Fly High Michelle is a really good song. And I was so... Did he say that about he, Fly High Michelle? Yeah. And I was so stoked that he liked a song that I liked, you know, uh, which I thought was cool. Uh, but there's, you know, he liked NWA. He liked how 
Um, and, I, and I get why, you know, that was at the time of the PMRC and, uh, you know, there. Well, that was new when that yeah. came out. That was like, that was the edge. That was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So I think he had respect for, for them, but I, but I couldn't tell you necessarily other, you know, musicians other than the ones I, that I mentioned, cause I didn't really have those conversations, but there were uh, other creatives that I know that he liked. He did specifically mention Warren D. Martini. Yeah. In one article. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Frank mentioned the legendary yeah. lead guitarist of Rat Warren DiMartini. Yeah. Well, he's an unbelievable guitar player. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's a big nod. Uh, I think, you know, because he was around the house a lot, too. Warren would, would, would stop by. So I think they got to spend some time and, and you know, they were pretty friendly. Um, but Who was the first band that you were into? Like my first this band? is my band, my band. It's so fucking embarrassing. I think Banana Rama. Hey, fuck yeah! <laughs> you know, I thought they were all cruel very, summer. I thought they were. I loved it. That hit you in the heart. I've I loved and loved soul. loved it. I because I thought cruel, they were so cruel hot. summer. Yeah. Bitterly. What I didn't understand is like who is this Robert De Niro person? Like Robert what? De Niro's waiting, talking Italian, uh, talking Italian. Yeah, what the fuck was that all about? <laughs> that bothered me, but I really liked the the melody. Do, you know, do, boop, 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 yeah, boop, I thought that was really great. Boop, boop. I, I I bought three of their records. That was <laughs> they had three. I think Banana Ram yeah, had three. Records? They definitely did. Then I got into. Uh, I thought the Thompson Twins were really good. Oh, that Banana Rama will take you right into the Thompson Twins. <laughs> I drove right into that wall. Um, doctor, doctor. I, I was more new wave before. I think I was more metal. Yeah, I. Uh, but then I went. I dove. Well, you're a bit of a metal icon. The, I went right into the. Well, let's world see. Let's, let's, let's not to age you, but like that's early '80s. I turned. Um, I turned 45 in. Uh, yeah, you did. London. Yeah, you did. You know, not, not not all that long ago. Yeah, so you're right in the wheelhouse for a little kid to hear that poppy new wave. Well, your was your was the moon was Moon Unit listening to new wave? Was that filling the house? Yeah, the stuff I liked a lot of the the some of the music that she was listening to. She uh, Lena Lovich was that her, how you say? Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, Lena Lovich. Um, so i thought that was kind of cool yeah i was always mostly into girls you know like any and i still kind of am, am that like that way like that's i think what really got me into metal is you know like doro and doro pesh yeah and then, right. like when she was in like warlock and i and i really loved were you into vixen no no that was not that that Lita? I, were you into lita ford solo i yeah but mostly mostly it was Joan Jett. I mean, yeah. that that was she still is kind of a big deal to me. One of the coolest. Did you ever get to meet Joan Jett? Yes. Oh fuck yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Love her. Had some a nice conversation with her uh, a couple of times. Actually, on something that you and I were going to do. Remember, remember, we talked about doing an animated show called Joan Jett Saves the World. Um, yeah, because I so, ended, yeah yeah. So that was how I I met her. Wow. Uh, in trying to get her blessings to, you know, kind of move forward with that. And, um, and if anyone's listening, we really should be able to move forward with that. Cause that's a fucking amazing idea. Well, she, she, I don't know if you've seen her, the, the documentary that came out a year, year ago, year and a half ago. Uh, it's pretty enjoyable, but 
you know, she's someone who is totally unique and should get more praise for being uh, a how hard she rocks as someone who cares every single performance. She gave it her all and she was just about the music and, you know, just loves to play and and. She's just so it's such a fucking badass rock and goddess, it totally rock goddess, and, and created by the Los Angeles scene of the mid seventies. But I just there's no one foxier than than Joan Jett and yeah. her and her leather bikini. I mean that was that you know some people may have been into Cindy so, Crawford or right. something. So when the do you want to touch video it. came on, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna sit down and watch this. I want to do a lot of touching <laughs> with that. Yeah, love her, love. That's it. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Well, thank you. So good to see you, Ahmed. We had <laughs> thanks for having me. Really great chats. It yeah. was so awesome. And congratulations on the tour. I hope that. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, you can continue keeping on doing what you do. Maybe bringing the Zampa tour here to the West Coast. We hope. Zappa lyrics reflected his iconoclastic views of established social and political processes, structures, and movements, often humorously. He's been described as the godfather of comedy rock. He was a a strident critic of mainstream education and organized religion and a forthright and passionate advocate for freedom of speech, self-education, political participation, and the abolition of censorship. Unlike many other rock musicians of his generation, he personally disapproved of drugs but supported their decriminalization. He was awesome. Yeah. So, so interesting. You know, the the currency in our household was comedy, right? So we had such few, I guess, hours in the day to spend with Frank because he was just a total workaholic or he was out on tour. Well, you once told me that he worked all night yeah. and slept all day. Yeah. So the family got to see him when he was going to bed it was as a top- you guys were getting up and going to school. Yeah, it's a topsy-turvy world. So, uh, you know, when we when we would have time with him, he was always really interested in, you know, what did we do that day? Or what have you created? Or, you know, just interested in, you know, checking in, right? Uh, but I, I, do, I do think that we were in this unique place where we all realized that, you know, he's going to go back downstairs and we had him for a limited, limited amount of time. So we'd all try to make him laugh. And that was that. Do you remember the first time you made him laugh? I would fucking make him laugh all the fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we, so do you, uh, that drive probably shaped you, bud. It totally did. Yeah, it totally did. I, you know, I look, I had a lot of time to reflect on my life uh, it was very bizarre uh, to be on the bizarre world of Frank Zappa show because I, you know, I have an eight year old and a soon to be three year old and thank goodness for FaceTime and cell phones mm-hmm. because my, I didn't, I never had that kind of access to my father when I would miss him. And, you know, I really got to, th- to think about like, it's so fucking weird to, be out there working on a show with his music and be, you know, and I was away from my own family and it just, you know what? I, I think it was, I was able to kind of forgive a little bit more of the, uh, 
forgive the fact that I didn't have as much time as I think I wanted or, you know, I just, I just didn't get to see him as much as right. I guess other people did with their, you know, their mother or father. Right. So, uh, it was cathartic in that way that I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm kind of walking in his shoes being know, on the road. It, yeah. In the sense that as he, as a father, you know, not, not in terms of, walking in his shoes and, and feeling like I have anywhere n- near the same mastery of, of the, you know, his music or, or, you know, uh, the, the level at which he could perform his own music. But, um, he as a father, that was interesting. I, I, you know, that was an important journey for me to have. I was, I'm grateful that I did that. Did you FaceTime you know? those guys all the time, uh, constantly? Halo and Arrow. Yeah, and they got to Your see Your Magic Children. They got to see the show and 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 it's it's been such a long time since I played music uh and and the fact that I got to play with uh you know, I was in a band with Mike Keneally and Scott Tunis and Joe Travers and so the left side of the stage uh or stage right if you're standing on the stage um <clears throat> was guys I played with in my own band and then to to have other members that played with with Frank, you know Robert Martin and Ed Man and you know Ray White, that was I I didn't think I would be doing that. It was a, kind of a last minute thought when we were just playing around in rehearsals where they're like, "Well, you come up and you know sing a song," and I think I had that comfort level because I played with Mike and 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 um, Scott and you're a singer, yeah. And I there are certain songs that I feel like don't really you know, aren't played as much. That's kind of the, the fun things I wanted to, what did you sing when you were out there? I, I would do my guitar wants to kill your mama or dead girls of London. Um, but dead girls of London is, is one of my favorite songs. It's very Warren Zevon for mm-hmm. me. And one of my favorite all time songs is Werewol- werewolves of London. So I kind of feel like those songs are brother and sister. Do you think the kids got the power, felt the power of rock when dad was up there belting out those songs? I mean, because they, neither of them have seen you in that element before on a big stage in yeah. front of a big audience. Yeah, I got a really bringing sweet. Bringing it, bringing the power of rock to the people. I got a really sweet note from, from my daughter who's like, dad, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the best. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's worth it. You have frame that. It all. You yeah. have your lovely yeah. wife, Shana Zappa, frame that and keep that. Was, when she's screaming at you and or it was P.S. She wrote me a nice note, and then the, the bends at the the end of it uh, was P.S. You're cool, <laughs> which <laughs> knowing her because um, uh, the other content. I mean, she's she's a big note writer right now. She has a that's new, amazing. Save them all, bro. She has a new note on her door that anyone under five is not allowed in her room. Under five, yeah. And Arrow's going to be three, so there's, there's no other person she's talking about. But she doesn't want it to be known that it's specifically about him. And it cracks me up. It cracks me up. Oh my god! Because she got in so much trouble. She's because she leaves her room a total mess, and she tried to like fob it off on. It's not me. It's Arrow. You know, he went in there and tore it up. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, it's not nice to blame other people for something you're clearly doing. It was a whole kerfuffle. That little boy is going to, he is going to have some hot ladies over, over the house. That's going to shape him. He already is super into the ladies. Yeah. Super, super into the ladies. Well, he has the power of rock too. Well, he talks about, okay, he's, he, cause he likes the movie Aquaman a lot. 
and he talks about the lady, which is Mara, or you know the Amber, uh, Amber, Amber Heard, mm-hmm. right, I think. Yeah, uh, and I think he's in love with her because because it is it is a whole mm-hmm. it is the whole thing. <laughs> it is a whole thing for him. The genes are strong. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> good for him. He has the power of rock too. He definitely does. That little boy likes to sing. Well, you know, uh, f- for me, Frank, the stories that I that I really like because most people know him as a as a guitar player. Um, but you know, you mentioned uh, he did start off playing the drums, and so that was always fascinating to me growing up. You know, yeah. I was like, why oh, didn't he stick with the drums? Do you ever wonder about that? I never, I never asked him, but I did see him just completely fucking school someone on a, on a, on a drum kit when he was having auditions for a new drummer. Right. So, you know, to get through the process to, to come up and, and play, you know, you had to be really good. Right. And, you know, I think Frank, he was giving people tests, right. Uh, music that he wanted to know to, to the full extent of someone's capabilities, you know, cause a lot of his music is super challenging. So I was in the studio with him and I've never seen, I didn't know at that point that he ever played drums. And so this guy just couldn't get it. And he was really frustrated. And Frank was you know, trying to get him to, you know, like, thank you very much. And, you know, move along, you know, the, got the sense that I think the guy could feel that it's over. No way he's getting <laughs> yeah. the job. Bye bro. And he's like, let me, you know, let me, let me just try one more time. And you know, Frank was, you know, okay. patient. Yes. And, uh, then the guy must've struck a chord with, with Frank. Um, I remember him and I wish I knew who this drummer was, but he said like, this is impossible. You know, if you think that this could be played, once you come in here and play it. Right. So, you know, my Uh-oh. dad just got up <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, <laughs> and asked the guy to move over. And it was absolutely no fucking problem for him. To wow. Crush it. And, you know, I, I I had the opportunity to ask the guys in the band, um, you know, if they ever would see him at Soundcheck play. And I'm, I'm pretty good friends with John Good, who was, you know, one of the. Uh, the guys over it who started DW drums and was uh, a guitar tech for my dad. Uh, sorry, a drum tech for, for, um, you know, the tours. Um, and a love, I'm one of the nicest, most creative fucking geniuses, this guy, John good. And he would talk Olive garden fan. Oh, massive olive garden fan. Oh, you know, (laughs) John, if you're listening, I miss you. And I can't wait uh, for the endless, pasta bowl, bread bowl, <laughs> whatever it is. See you soon. But, um, but yeah, no, you know, they, can you imagine that fucker auditioning for your dad? Just the nerves that you would have to go in to know, like I'm auditioning for Frank Zappa today and to kind of get the sense that you're not getting it. Well, and then to be schooled. Well, this is what I, that's learned. a shitty day. Well, this is what I learned. Uh, you know, it, it is common knowledge that, you know, Frank was, you know, he would demanding. Oh yeah. He was, he was a real taskmaster, but when it would, you know, in terms of the musicians and him being so against drugs, right. (laughs) He, I, I, I do think that a lot of that was because everyone was on them at that time. Yeah. (laughs) And they couldn't play the music. Right. Right. So, 
you know, it wasn't and his music required precision. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and Frank wants to hear the music, right? He, you right. Know, he wants everyone to do a good job. So, so many of these stories are, are that I've heard. Uh, it, it, everyone was high as fuck, <laughs> you know, going in and trying to even understand, understand the music and, um, must've been really, kind of challenging because some of the some of the journeys of some of the you know band members as i've learned over the last couple of years you know where people have expressed stories and kind of you know because i i've asked them without naming the people that i've talked to there's a lot of you know it's it's kind of a cliche a lot of people just got real fucked up and made big mistakes and you know that's not why they stayed in the band for the most part well if you're on the coke the yeah the yayo <laughs> you're, you're going to speed things up the a bit. white lady you're going to speed things up a bit yeah musician musician powder chop a line now fun fact hipsters have already said this but Frank Zappa left home in 1956 and that's when he moved into a small apartment in Echo Park Zappa uh, moved into his first house in Laurel Canyon in 1966. After a short tour following the re- uh, release of Freak Out, Zappa met Adelaide Gail Slotman. He fell in love within a couple of minutes, quote-unquote, and she moved into the house over the summer. That was 1966. They married in 1966 and had four children, Moon, Dweezil, this person across from me, and Diva Zappa. They remained together until Zappa's death. Yeah. Yeah. Just reading some stuff from Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I know all that stuff. <laughs> you do know that. Yeah. That, you that, do know that you have a, a brother and a sister yep. and another sister. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I didn't know Gail's name was Adelaide. Yep. Did who did, where, did was it she always Gail? Yeah. My parents, I never called them mom or dad. They introduced themselves. <laughs> To their children, All, no one called them mom or dad. It was either Gail or Frank. I swear to you, I swear to you, I came out of. I probably, you know, you were told came, right away. Yeah, I, I popped into the world. Uh, I was going to say I came out of my mother's vagina, but then I realized, oh no, no, I was a C-section, and she loved to remind me of that. But um, <laughs> I'm sure that my dad, uh, you know, first he was like, "Hey, I'm Frank." I probably shook shook my hand or something. But actually, my dad saved my life. My I, I was I was born premature and I had a collapsed lung, uh, and no one caught it. But my dad, with his super bat like hearing, was oh like, shit, something wrong with my son. And just uh, because of the way that you were crying, I yeah, there's something. What? And no one believed him. He's like, no, with his I'm, super bionic hearing. Yeah, he uh, he was like, no, there's something something wrong. And then sure enough, I had a collapsed lung, and I was what? in the hospital for. I didn't many know months. this. Yeah, really. Yeah, Cedar Sinai. Uh, no, Hollywood Presbyterian, I think. Uh, but I, I had there was real complications for for me as a as a young one, and wow. It, and because my mom also at that time, I think having a C-section, there's complications there, but my dad would, he'd go to the hospital every night and visit and he was real stressed out about it. And some of the more emotional stories I've heard recently are of, you know, the, the, his band at that time in the early, you know, 1974, which is such an awesome rock and time in Frank's career that that was they all kind of took on that stress uh of what he was going on you know going through and they were a really tight 
kind of family that that particular era, that particular band. That's the band that is in the now legendary Roxy. Yeah. That was 1973 when that show was shot at the Roxy in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that's like sort of the penultimate. In your mind, is that the penultimate Zappa band? I really enjoy that. Man, the, uh, from like 73 to 70, mm-hmm. 76. You Young know. Chester Thompson before he's in Genesis. He's in that band on, on drums. Yeah. He had two drummers in the band. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Ruth Underwood on percussion and you know, the sounds they all made together were insane. But Frank would, that was when Frank would also get, you know, stop playing guitar and run around and play percussion as well. And you can see some of that in, uh, in Roxy, the movie, um, just how insane the band was. I mean, no one, no one plays with that level of awesomeness. I, I, I don't know of one band. Sadly, I wish there, that there was that, you know, uh, uh, has assembled the kinds of players, you know, that my, that my dad did in throughout his career, you know, for a night of music, you just got well, so it's sort much. of a different approach yeah. it, instead of like four idiots getting together and just playing in a garage in a garage and getting no, better nothing better wrong better. with that. Nothing that's, wrong with that. That's the majority that's what of the music. We, that's what yeah. we love. Fuck yeah. That's what you and I love. Yeah. But he's putting it together in a different way. He's hiring people to help execute the vision that he sees and hears in his mind, yeah. channeling the divine. And so he needs, he needs committed, incredible kick-ass people to do that. Well, the thing that was fascinating to me, and I, I, and I ask this question all the time, if, if it's any of the, the, you know, people who played with my dad, everyone had to know a hundred songs, right? 100. At least when you would, wait, they had to know 100 Zappa songs. Yes. Fuck. So, you know, you had to have this repertoire, certainly in the later days where, God damn it, you know, where, cause any given moment he'd, he'd just, he'd call out a song. Right. Okay. So think about that. The Fuck. band would have to rehearse that. Right. And be ready for the rest. But he knew all of it. Right. Frank, that's what's nuts. Right. He's, he's not, he's not reading off of right. the page for, for the lyrics or any of that stuff. He knows it all. Yeah, he fucking knows. Now they all. would they would rehearse and and you know, but the impression I got was, uh, I mean, I knew this as a kid. My dad memorized the encyclopedia. You know, he right. was a mutant, really. He was, and to to have all that stuff just at his fingertips, the music. So he was so present all the time in everything, and just could just you know, he's just. There's no way that Vince Neil knows more than ten Motley Crue songs. <laughs> Yeah, no. There's no way that Tico Torres knows more than 20 Bon Jovi songs. <laughs> no. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's fucking insane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I saw you 2 mm-hmm. a couple of years ago at the forum, they pulled this guy out of the crowd who happened to be the lead singer of Hollywood U2, one of the most successful U2 cover bands in the country because he was wearing his full-on fucking Bono outfit. Mm-hmm. And he got up. And he started to sing Sweetest Thing. They didn't know that song. It was one of their great songs. And he, that guy coached them through the song live. Yeah, that's in embarrassing. The forum. That's, that's embarrassing. fucking embarrassing. A hundred songs. Yeah, it's nuts. God but, damn it. But there's so much music that that's... But that's before they would go out on the road. Right, you know? sure. And then he would just keep adding to the dog pile of awesome. You know, because he, he never stopped writing music. He would he, every sound check would be a couple hours. 
fucking and they would and he would just constantly work on new and they recorded all that right did they just hit record Uh, on uh, all those sound checks uh, yeah a lot of the time right wow so that's what uh the vault master joe joe travers gets to go through right there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of tapes in the vault and we tried to kind of assess you know how much of it has been utilized right right exposed and it's 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 about like 30 percent. jesus christ yeah so when you when you think about that so if you're a zappa nerd there's so much more bro hang on yeah there's so much more it really is weird and and it's not something it's kind of daunting because i now am in this you know role of handling things for the the day-to-day and possibly dishing things out yeah, no, I work on all the all the product. Right. I, I, you know, conceive of the packaging and. and if, hey, if you need a fifty-one-year-old guy who can't type more than ten words a minute, and just <laughs> like it's just fun to be around the office. Yeah, ten bucks an hour. Let me just say one of my other favorite stories about Frank, and this has turned into a Frank conversation, but that's okay. That's okay. We got a lot to talk about. Um, when uh, a million years ago, Amit and I sold a. Uh, when we were doing the metal wolf project with MTV, we got Ronnie James Dio to agree to be a character in the show and Lemmy from motorhead and Rob Halford from Judas priest. So iron maiden comes to Southern California in 2003. Wendy Dio, who was Ronnie James Dio's ex-wife and manager got us tickets and backstage passes. And we took a limo down from Hollywood down to Irvine Meadows to see maiden, Motorhead and Dio. So this is like, we're doing business, but I'm just going to a show that I would be at anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we, we had, we had pit passes. We, it was, we were backstage. There's so, like literally one of the greatest nights of my life. I always go back to one of the fans, the ultimate fan. And you know who I'm talking about, right? Meatball. Meatball. <laughs> this guy. Rolly, <laughs> the, the roly poly metal maniac. He was like three feet, four feet tall. Yes. And hey, meatball. And, yeah, uh, and he was there. Jericho was there. <laughs> yeah. I think some of the guys in tour were there. But my, one of my, but Amit and I got to hang with Ronnie James Dio after his set, before Maiden and after Ronnie's set, and we hung out in his trailer. Uh, Ronnie gave us beer. Would you like a Boddington's Brendan? Is burned into my soul. I will never forget that statement. But what he wanted to hear from Mister Ahmed Zappa, Richard Sheltinga, was he said, "I'll never forget this." He said, Ahmed. Is it true that your father could hear frequencies that the average human cannot hear? He wanted to know that. Yeah. Because he'd heard that. So, And it was true. So I like to think that because of the radioactive isotope that they shoved down my father's stomach uh, as, a, as a kid, uh, because he suffered from really bad ulcers, and that's what they would do back then to cure you. Oh, fuck. Ulcers. Oh, this is a whole other thing. Yeah, uh, which I think ultimately led to him, uh, you know. The C word. Yeah, getting cancer. But one of the one of the uh, side effects, I just randomly looked it up. It's, it's like it can mutate your hearing so you have bat-like hearing. Wait. Now, that could be... I could be totally making that up. I so, seem to. He had I some. Bruce, to, he had some Bruce Banner action going on. I do. We looked it up. So just just see if radioactive isotopes can actually. Uh, was it a pill form? What 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 was it put into his body? How was it in? Well, the interesting thing because of his how sickly he was. Oh no! That was why they moved. One of the reasons they moved from Baltimore to California. Oh wow! The Zappa family. Yeah. 
wow, just for the for the weather because it actually the weather out here used to be nice before the cars fucked it up with pollution. Radioactive isotopes. You looking it up, Richard? Richard Cheltenga is looking really some up. Not seeing anything about hearing. Nothing. I like it. No, I, I say we go with it. I, yeah, I, it sounds I mean, good to me. Yeah. If you eat some fucking radioactive shit, you're going to get some side effects. Yeah, there's some... There's some good and some bad. You'll find it. Eventually, someone who's a comic book writer put it out there as fact, so that's cool. Thank you. Brian, I could use a little bit more... You know, there were two other crazy stories that I... When I was looking at Wikipedia, there were two other crazy stories about his health Mm -hmm. and accidents that happened to him in the early 70s that are kind of interesting to me. On December 4th, 1971, Zappa suffered the first of two serious setbacks... While performing in Montreux, Switzerland, the mother's equipment was destroyed when a flare set off by an audience member started a fire that burned down the casino that they were playing. Yeah. That event is immortalized in Deep Purple's most famous song, Smoke on the Water, which is about the casino burning down. And the event in the immediate aftermath can be heard on the bootleg album Swiss Cheese Fire. Listen to his sound, though. Listen to this fucking solo. I mean... Nobody like him. What year is this? 70s. After losing $50,000 worth of equipment, which by today's standards, like almost $500,000 worth of equipment, uh, the mothers played at the Rainbow Theater in London. This is like the following week after that with rented gear. During the encore, an audience member, jealous because of his girlfriend's infatuation with Zappa, pushed him off the stage and onto a concrete-floored orchestra pit. The band thought Zappa had been killed. He'd suffered serious fractures, head trauma, and injuries to his back, leg, and neck, as well as a crushed larynx, which ultimately caused his voice to drop a third after healing. I did not know that. Yep. Fucked up. Super fucked up. Jealous bro pushed your dad off stage. Well... You know, he was, you know, he was totally attacked and, and, you know, I always, I, I, I knew that story. I hadn't been born, so I didn't, uh, when was that again? This is early seventies. This is like 1971. Yeah. But I saw recently, uh, Alex Winter's, a, a cut of Alex Winter's documentary uh-huh. on, on my dad and, I got to see footage of him kind of struggling through, you know, re- his recovery of the accident. And it, just, it was really hard to watch. Wow. Um, and, you know, you to go through a having losing everything, cause it's not like I, I don't think they had insurance, you know, and and th- those are huge setbacks. Um, but, you know, Frank, as someone who is just a workaholic. Um, you know, he lifted himself back up and, and just started working on a bunch of different stuff, uh, became a, came out, made some amazing fucking records, like total game changer records after that too. You know, the sound totally changed and, you know, there's certain interviews you can find where, uh, you know, the people that were in his band at that time, you know, they, they didn't stick around. You know, they, you know, they, uh, 
there wasn't a real, uh, from what I gather, a sense of um, loyalty or camaraderie in in that way, you know. Hmm. But you know, I wasn't there. But uh, I mean, just from what when I see interviews of Frank sort of dancing around the subject, and then knowing that uh, you know, knowing that the bands changed, I think it just changed the way that he even formed his bands. I mean, it was just a life changing event. And certainly for his voice, that's, that's for sure. Wow. Um, dropped a third. Yeah. That's crazy. Gave him more of a signature sound. You know, he became more present on the vocals and, uh, you know, it just, it just must've changed. It changed so much. And I guess when, when life <laughs> gives you lemons, you know, you yeah. make lemonade. Yeah, or just freak out and yeah, stay in your apartment and eat pizza and yeah, shut yourself off from the world and you know, cut yourself off from friends and just be on Twitter all day and maybe smoke the occasional joint. This isn't about go to the ninety nine cent store. Stop. Get some beer every (laughs) once in a while and then like ah shit. Should I go to Carl's Jr. again today? I don't know. (laughs) Fuck. I had Carl's Jr. yesterday. Well, oh, look at this coupon well, well, in the mail from Subway. Oh, fucking, I'll try Subway today. This is great. You but, know, I've never but, had Pollo Loco, but holy shit. But this real quick, thing is only $5 with a coupon. I'm going to fucking do that today. I remember. And then I you had, get this stomach where you, you can't good. wear a belt. No, I do. No, I've got, look, I've got, I have a stomach for the first time in my, truly for the first time in my life. I got a little belly. Well, you, I got you, a little chubby belly. You you wear it well, bro. God damn it. Well, that's why I'm wearing black. That's why I'm wearing a black Iron Maiden I'm shirt. I'm wearing a fucking black shirt. Well, but then black. again, I am a tons of fun. So Yeah, but you, you you're built like a linebacker. <laughs> you're kind of built like a like a like an ex you could say like uh, yeah, I played a, I played linebacker at like UC Santa Barbara. My if my, they have a my, football team, my dad and uh and <laughs> oh, my mother's don't. father were very you know my dad was was a beanpole, but he was like six two, and and uh, my mom's dad was a rear admiral in the navy. Was your mother in the CIA? Uh, I do not think. What about that so. rumor? Wasn't there a rumor that your mom was in the CIA? I she do know. In the CIA I for do like a year. have confirmation that my dad was a Freemason. Oh, learn that on the whoa, bizarre world of you know, whoa, Frank Zappa tour. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like maybe even going to like some Freemason events here in the city of Los Angeles. So this was wait. An, is there a cape in the house somewhere? I actually had to look it up. Fucking um, a! In you know we did a there was an auction, and one of the jackets had a pin on it, right? Mm-hmm. And. I remember I didn't know what the fuck the pin was, and I'm now I'm this. This is like the only thing I'm like, oh, a, fucking kill a triangle me. with an eye. Oh yeah, no, no, it's the the compass with the with the. It was it, it was, was a Freemason. It pin. was his fucking yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. His Masonic level, whatever he was at, he was yeah. All right, and but I but the, yeah. but the story about that is fascinating because there was a big lawsuit. Some 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 shenanigans or something. I don't remember the exact details, but John Smothers, my dad's bodyguard, who not a Smothers brother. No. Although, uh, they were, I believe that they were actually friendly. Uh, I'm sure they were. Uh, but, uh, so you think about this accident where Frank didn't really have security and now he has John Smothers in his life. This is a guy, he just, you know, God rest his soul. He just, he just recently passed. Um, and this dude was like, 
you know, an extended family member to me. Right. So John Smothers has, you know, was a Freemason and he had the massive Freemason tattoo on his, on his body. I didn't know any, any of these details, but Frank was in some shit and, and John actually was like, I'm going to, let me help you out. So he got the Freemason brethren, whatever to come around and, and I guess swore Frank in. This is the story that was just recently told to me. What? And, uh, and when Frank went to court, he's wearing his Freemason pin and, and the guy just basically looked at Frank, looked at his Freemason pin and, you know, case dismissed in my dad's favor. And this, and, and my dad was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. Ah. You know? Uh, oh, and my God. Yeah. So that, wow. that some of that Illuminati shit, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, who knows if that's, you know, been, been uh, but it enhanced happened. or, uh-huh. or added to a little, you know, made into a little bit but more that's, of a fairy tale. But we that think was, it works that way that we've always been told that that's how it works. So this, but this story was told to me by, um, a band member. I won't say who, but I find it to be fascinating um, in that, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're exaggerating a little bit, but they, the journey just you know, wow. kept going on. Can we, should we look through some of the lyrics to look for some like Masonic references and stuff like <laughs> I don't, that? I, I'm sure we, we, we should, Damn. but, but, you know, I remember asking my mother, uh, you know, was Frank, you know, a free, a Freemason and she was you can always gave a strange answer and I don't know. I don't know what that, you know, what, what that is, but I would love if you, if you're a Freemason out there, please contact me. Cause I, I would like to know if you know more things about it than, you know, I'd, I'd like to get, I it. think there's a Masonic temple in Los Feliz. We could just go there. I, I tend to the go one that's to on the Masonic temple. I like, Franklin? Go, I like going to them and yeah, you know, uh, maybe I should, Hey, hi, it's me. Hey, you guys, you're a son of a Mason. You should yeah. be fucking a Freemason yourself. I don't know how it works, but who, but who knows? Maybe that's you probably cool. just have to pay a fee. You're a builder of society. <laughs> yeah, you you never know. Who knows? But he can't lay bricks. Oh shit! Let's let this run. I was thinking this about fills this. me with joy when I hear this song, by the way, I, I was, have to say. I was thinking about this song uh, a couple days ago like, totally. because so much of, you know, what we do in, in prepping you know, new material is we can go back to the original tapes, you know, and, and hear and Moon see. just riffing. Well, I haven't done that, but that, that's what I was thinking about. Fuck I was like, yeah. oh, I, I'm wondering, because so many iconic things that she... You know, made up and riffed on. I'm wondering, like, it's so funny this song. I'm wondering if there's other magical statements and oh, there has ideas. to be. The thing that I love about this song now, because I've known the Zappa family for a while, mm-hmm. is that it rips on the valley. But you fuckers were a valley family. In that you enjoyed, I love the valley. I've considered the, like, myself for restaur- a long time the mayor of Studio City. Which I, is I, st- I mean, you're you're the def- you. If you wanted to still run with that mantle, you can. You guys aren't over in that part of the woods anymore. But when you were, yeah. every restaurant you knew, every owner of every restaurant, every building, every business, all of it. But way the fuck out to to Encino. I mean, like you just knew all the restaurants and where to go. I didn't go to. I knew. 
Well, I, you were I, the first person to take me to Jinkies in Van Nuys and Sherman Oaks. Yeah, I feel like my power of dominance was went into Sherman Oaks, but didn't quite get to to uh, Encino. Well, the Commons of Encino. Well, there's yeah. no need to go to the Commons in Encino. I was I, my 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 power. I want to say stopped at Sepulveda. <laughs> Ventura and Sepulveda, the Galleria. Yeah, that's where. Yeah. That's where just it, west of Sepulveda. I, I, we did once go to the Stand when it first opened in uh, in Encino. You, you know, I had some dalliances. I, I bet would, you went I to Benny Hanna's. I, I would date some other restaurants down there, but Benny Hanna's of Encino. Oh, I love it down there. <laughs> but you guys went to Baroni's, I'm sure, when you grew up. But there was well, there was a Baroni's in in Sherman Oaks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time. I love Baroni's. Baroni's, Baroni's is, is still amazing. But Baroni's is, is North Hollywood now, right? Baroni's is what? Oxnard and... It's delicious pizza. <laughs> yeah. And it's square. <laughs> As it should be. As it should. It's pan pizza. What was your favorite restaurant growing up? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, I loved... There was a restaurant that we would go to with my dad that I liked called Il Giardino. Oh, where was uh, that at? That was on Maple. That's, and like In Beverly was, Hills, Maple? Yeah. yeah like oh, it, wow. It was like a f- fucking tent that they erected in a parking lot. Wow. If, if, I, if memory serves. That's lost to the sands of time. That's dumb. I love I loved that place. And I cannot remember the name of the restaurant. The, the restaurant we probably all went to the most together is what is now Vibrato. Uh, in the Beverly Glen Center. It oh, was wow. this really awesome yeah. Italian restaurant. For uh, those playing at home, like Mulholland and Beverly Glen. Yeah. This place was was great. And and every night that we went there would be Merv Griffin and, and like the, whatever the bougie who's who. But Frank was just such a fan of Italian food and spicy. You know, he, he always got a, an arrabbiata or... or uh, Porcini mushroom anything you know but did he have an affinity for the italian food with his sicilian roots yeah loved it loved it yeah mm-hmm. he but he liked strange food i i dropped out of school in the beginning of eighth grade so i had a lot of free time on my hand yeah uh hands my one hand <laughs> um and uh so weirdly i i started keeping frank's hours and i had older friends that would come and hang out and drive me around so I would always check in and just see what Frank wanted to eat. And some of the fucking grossest shit you can ever possibly imagine. He loved a tongue and Swiss with Russian dressing. Tongue. Tongue, Swiss, Russian dressing on a Kaiser roll was like perfection. Cow cow tongue. He loved it. I would go to Jerry's Deli and pick him up that sandwich jerry's deli in the studio city studio city and uh occasionally tongue swiss cheese yep russian dressing on a kaiser roll fuck yeah is it good i i I don't eat russian dressing but tongue tongue's delicious but at the time i i thought that was like roast tongue it's good is it, is it is it like roast? Is it beefy? Is it yeah. like pastrami-ish? Well, yeah. That's pork. But but kind of softer. Whatever. It's like a weird... It's, 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 it's weirder. Hmm. It's I good, though. Um, Where were, what was time, your playground? Was gross. What was your playground back then? If you're dropping out of school in eighth grade, you've got some time on your hands. Where are you going to run around? So uh, there's this, there was a gentleman named Alejandro... Uh, and we nicknamed his, his white car, the power loaf mobile. 
And so you, as an eighth grader, had a friend who had a car. Yeah, I had a few. I had a few friends. I was also I was friendly with this guy named David Mendenhall, who was the kid in the Sylvester Stallone movie Over the Top. <laughs> <laughs> we were super close, and he had a red Pinto or Tempo, red Ford Tempo, and you know that was. I mean, look, when I was a kid, we would go to Alfie's Soda Pop Club. And <laughs> and because we couldn't go to bars, right? So we would go to these. Dance. What was Alfie's? It, soda it was pop it club? was like every child actor <laughs> would go to these clubs. Uh, is this your Joaquin Phoenixes or your not Joaquin? But is this the River Phoenix? Is this? I mean, Christian I Slater. Is it was. This it would be. I, I would imagine Christian Batemans, probably went. the Batemans. It w- I mean, the people that was it more I would Sheens? see a lot would be like Alyssa Milano, okay. Nicole Egger, uh-huh, nice. um, you know, anyone from the movie Monster Squad, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, and Alfie, Al- Alfonso Ribeiro was a, that was a big deal when he well, when he was he on was up. he on the Fresh Prince at that time? No, it's way before that. This is when he was the, you know, the fucking Michael Jackson impersonating Pepsi Kid. It was, a, it was awesome. This is, is, that, is that what broke him? I, I'm not familiar yeah, with Alfonso Ribeiro's uh, career track. Yeah, no, this is. Was it dancing? Was it a commercial where he danced like Michael Jackson? Yeah, and he was awesome. Okay, and I put him on. But the like map. Scott Grimes, they Alfon. I think Alfonso Ribeiro and Scott Grimes. If you know, who, I think Scott's on. I don't. I don't know if the TV shows are still around. He's. He's like, um, no, he's on the Orville, Orville sure. now. Yeah. Um, I remember, I seem to remember, th- uh, those two guys being, being good friends and, and he was always hanging out with, uh, Alyssa, but they were just fucking dance parties, which turned into, at least for, for us, like when you're thinking about people hooking up, like going mm-hmm. to a club and, and, you know, having a cocktail and trying to hook up, there was more f- like fucking going on some with, teen hookups at Alfie's oh, soda pop like, pop. You can't fucking imagine. Wow. I remember if, wow. uh, like there was, they shot it as a, as a TV show, like a dance show that didn't go anywhere. Like American so, bandstand. Like, yeah. So like everyone that were, except the, with famous the, kind of kids, the regulars. Who the, I'm, I think I was maybe a regular. I was just so fucking embarrassing. No, Alfie's soda pop I pop. want this. Uh, I want this video. I I remember going. It, it, it's where they they shoot um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, right? This is where they shot the the right in the, the middle of Hollywood in that yeah, theater, in that next theater. to the El Capitan in the basement. Holy right? shit! I remember the girl that I was totally in love with, right? Wound up that day hooking up with Jason Hervey, right <laughs> from the Wonder Years. <laughs> Upstairs, right, and then and and he bailed, you know, and she was all Wait, he upset. bailed mid makeout or, or, well, or more than a makeout. I, I, I'm right. not going to comment on it, but but it was it was it was quite traumatic. Um, wow, and uh, I mean, just so stupid. So I mean, it was very strange growing up in, in Los Angeles because everyone such a, it's a small community if you grow up here. Yeah, uh, and you have a little bit of status. Well, I, I I dropped out of school and started working. That's what happened. I was twelve and I started auditioning, and it's so fucking embarrassing. I, you know, I was on sitcoms and thinking that that was going to be my my path from like twelve to. 15. Did you ever have a period where you're like, I'm going to fucking go after this, and my goal is to be a series regular on a big show? 
my goal was only to make money so I could buy Spider-Man number one, <laughs> Amazing <laughs> Fantasy number one. That was my goal, and I were and I had this conversation. I got the, you know, one of my first big checks was for ten grand. Um, what for, gig was that? I was on. Uh, uh, that was probably this Disney movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember what my first sort of gigs were. But you got a ten grand a check for ten grand. Yeah, I got it's you know for some show, um, and I uh, I, I was. I was so excited. I'm like, okay, I got, you know, 10 rounds. Someone needs to take me right now to the comic book store. And my parents are like, I think there's interviews where my dad talks about it. This is when I first learned of taxes. I was like, what do you mean? I only get to keep five of it. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not fair. And, and, and cause I had it all. I was like, wow, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I'm going to get everything <laughs> at the comic book store, you know? But, uh, I did, I actually took that check and I couldn't afford amazing, uh, fantasy. God damn it. Um, uh, so that's, number that's whatever not it was. fair, but I did buy, uh, you know, amazing Spider-Man, uh, number one and X-Men number one. You Dare, still have those? Daredevil number one. Um, no, I'm such a fucking dumbass. Like I, I've been lugging these comics around for so long that I, I just, just fucking got rid of them. This is before my son was born, and now my, oh. my, what my arrow is so into superheroes, oh. and I'm I, now that's that's one of the only big regrets. Gotcha. You know that I got rid of all my all my comics, but you know who knows who gives a shit. Did you make out with Alyssa Milano? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I think there's a lot of trying, but that, that, that didn't happen. Meredith Salinger. No, maybe no. she was a little older. No, we hung out, but mm-hmm. we didn't, we never made out. It's, it's a fascinating, I like her like, to be a, someone who was outside of it. I, I actually thought that everyone was running around that it was a small town. It, that every it, it is that it everyone was. knew each other and was mad at each other and worked with each other and slept with each other on all the different levels, like that activity just sort of keep no I, I think repeating. Uh, well, I think it's different now because of social media and how people are followed and I, yeah. it was it was it's actually. Uh, I, I think it, it felt like more, more of a small it, town back then, and it was more fun. I yeah. think, you know. Did you ever have the, I mean, and you have done the music. I mean, I know this, I'm talking to you like an interviewer, but did you ever have a period where you're like, okay, I'm going to put together my own band, the Ahmed Zappa band as like a teenager. Cause you did that later with, with yeah. the Dweez. I, well, I, or you guys I would, went out of the road, but well, from I guess 12 to 15, I, those were the years I was, I guess, acting and then, right. And I had a you know handful of gigs, but I was always more interested in creating shows and creating creating content. One of the first you know f- really fun gigs that I had was there was this show that I I, I was doing with Colin Quinn, um, uh, who I love, and he's such a funny comedian, and I have such great memories of, of working with him. But it was a show that um, called Too Hip for TV, and you know, my experience was I, I met these people. I think they thought I was cool and they're like, well, what are you into? And I got to kind of create this, this was that show. for MTV or VH1. What was that for? It was, remember? 
It was for NBC. Oh. And uh, we premiered. We were basically uh, a show that was designed for maybe we would get the market of young kids that were aging out of Saturday morning cartoons, right? Or people just waking up that liked sketch comedy. So it was this fucking weird show, <laughs> right? To be on and Saturday mornings. It was Saturday mornings. Oh, it was on Saturday mornings. And it was right before Saved by the Bell. Uh, so it was, wow. I think it was like an 1130 show. It was alternative programming on NBC. Wow. Uh, they were trying to do this weird variety show. And I got to have a bunch of bands that I really loved at the time on the show. They had, like, who do you want to hear? So we, we booked Fishbone, Red Hot Chili Peppers. and Oh, shit. That was really cool. Um, and that was, I need to see that even though I didn't really get the, the credit, I got the, 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 I got the bug of, Oh, you know, you can actually kind of create something and, um, and get it out there. Yeah. The thing that still breaks my, it doesn't break my heart because we could do it. The Jesus and monkey show, something that we created together. Yeah. Jesus and Amit is the, the voice of a wonderful monkey puppet. You know what's what's weird is I don't know. I mean, we we really could do all that all day long. I just don't have that. Um, well, you got a lot, the, the, but that feeling that that desire to do something with regular basis on on social media. Right. It's I am actually impressed with everyone that is a social media darling. Is I just I. I'm not interested in spending that much time looking into a camera and making stuff up and and you know God bless that they that they do that it's kind of extraordinary i i i feel like i've woken up in a world where i don't understand the rules and i wish that it was logan's run because my crystal would be blinking now and i have to go to carousel (laughs) cool because i'm not an influencer i don't have a youtube channel where i like listen to rap songs and comment on them am i supposed to do that well there's like a does anyone want to hear that i think it was kind of fun when when like twitter first started i'm like okay what is this all right that's kind of cool i mean it's it's easy to post and write something really short, which I appreciated and you could kind of do it fast. And, and then, you know, just, it just felt like everything feels like a fad. And then I, I'm, I just, the world, that world is so not my world. I have been, so I I feel you on that. I have been possibly developing a a fun, um, game show for like an online entity. Mm -hmm. And basically the, the treatise came down or the, the command came down that the host should be an influencer with the analytics proving that this host is capable of delivering X amount of people rather than a skilled comedian who's kick ass at, you know, handling the format of a show. Right. It literally, the words literally said influencer analytics, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, "Ah." it just for me, it dies right there. We'll wrap this up with a couple kind not wrap up but you know it's just a couple comments during zappa's lifetime he was highly productive and a prolific artist with a controversial critical standing supporters of his music admired its complexity while critics found it lacking emotional depth he had commercial success particularly in europe and worked as an independent artist for most of his career Zappa remains a major influence on musicians and composers. His honors include his 1995 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the 1997 Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. 
In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked him as number 71 on its list of 100 greatest artists of all time. And in 2011, Rolling Stone put him at number 22 on its list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Number 22. I have a funny story about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, please, 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 please. You mentioned, uh, you know, the accident where my dad was pushed off the stage. Yes. Uh, or tacked. He was really attacked. Um, and, you know, they asked a bunch of people in, in I guess, the music community um, about the event. And uh, Lou Reed was so nasty about Frank always. You know, and for, and Lou Reed was the guy who actually uh, um, was the person who gave the speech, and you know was the was the person I guess that inducted him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, never would have been, you know, our choice, but that's who the organization what? you know foistered uh, on on us. Um, Were you there? I didn't go. Moon Moon went, but. You know the conversation was interesting. He called up and and talked with uh, you know my mother and you know ultimately apologized for the things that he um, had said and um, you know it, that 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 was it was it was a tough pill for me to swallow because he had said so many mean things. I always had a lot of anger and and just just can never get into his music because of it. Um, and it's really taken me a long time. I'm just kind of dipping my toe into the water, the Lou Reed waters now. For I'm me, that's a tiny pool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know that's, if I'm going to find a things kiddie there. pool with a thimble of, of water in it, but for me, but I'm trying to be, you know, more open-minded about, about his music. Um, uh, but the, this is just a springboard <laughs> to tell you just how much I, I uh, didn't like him that um, I, I just, you know, I don't like anyone talking shit about anyone in my family. Right. And I, you know, anyone who has a brother or sister or a mother or father. And, you know, if you, if you, uh, <laughs> you know, feel me, you know, then you're going to know that maybe you would take the same opportunity. <laughs> so I had traveled to Japan to go visit my brother, Eliza Milano, uh, not to see, not to see her. Uh, my brother was playing in this with a Kichi Izawa. Uh, he was playing guitar, you know, for him, you know, really massive Japanese mega superstar in Japan. And, um, and Akichi uh, had assembled like a super group, right? So my brother was, pretty fucking bored and you know, it was like, come out and like, let's hang out. You know, maybe he was homesick, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I, I jumped on a plane and I brought a bunch of his mail with me. Right. <laughs> and, and so I have this giant manila envelope. I don't know what's in there. And I, I get to the, the, the capital Tokyo hotel, which had the best banana bread of all time. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, I was at that time I was, I brought a video camera with me and, you know, was documenting a ton of stuff. And so to make an, a really long story, even longer, we, I, I go up to the room tired and I go, Oh, you know, Gail wanted you to have all, all this mail. And, and so he opens it up and someone had solicited my brother, um, to organize a fan club, run a fan club for him. 
And there was just examples of their work inside, which was an, a letter explaining what they could do. And these are the people that they work with. And here are some examples of headshots <laughs> for some of these, you know, some of the actors that they work with. Right. And there were some really fucking great, like great in a bad way. Uh, pictures of Burt Reynolds, like from the a really awkward evening shade style Burt yep, Reynolds with yeah. the clearly that's a wearing good, that's uh, like a good a, Burt Reynolds, like a plastic toupee, yeah, yeah, you know, like just that's a good Burt just Reynolds, t- tough, yep. tough Ricky like, Schroeder. Well, let's stay on the Burt Reynolds topic right now. <laughs> okay. I mean, because this is this is important. So we had such a laugh at at this picture of Burt. By the way, is a massive hero of mine, and I felt like this picture was very unfortunate. <laughs> um, so we go downstairs. My brother's excited to, you know, it's like you're gonna lose your mind over this banana bread, and, and let's go get something to eat. <laughs> so, we, so we go down, and um, and sure enough, he was totally right, delicious. And he says to me with this kind of look of horror on his face, he goes, "Don't turn around, right? Doesn't say anything else, right?" And I fucking knew it instantly. This is like the, the connection that, you know, uh, my brother and I had uh, in this moment. I, I just fucking know just from him saying, don't turn around out of nowhere. I go, Lou Reed. And I fucking turn around and I see him and I am pissed. I mean, like I for uh, uh, so many years have had such a- uh, anger because of all the, you know, douchebaggery. You know, how he felt about, you know, my dad. And I just see the elevator doors close and I, I'm like, I, I got I to gotta do something or, or I'm just angry or you know, I don't know what to do. My brother's like, I have an idea. And <laughs> we go upstairs and he takes this headshot and he writes, Dear Lou, I'm a huge fan of your work. Just kidding. I hope you fucking die. <laughs> Love Burt Reynolds, <laughs> and he signs this on the Burt Reynolds yeah. headshot. Okay, <laughs> now, now at the time, this is a horrible story, by the way, and I fully I understand that, that how insensitive. Lou's dead, so he's not going to be mad about hearing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so is Burt. But I you down, delivered it. Well, I go downstairs and I have to get his room number. Oh boy! Right? And by the way. They had no problem. They're like, oh, right. you're, <laughs> you're another white guy. <laughs> exactly. You're another white guy. Like, yeah, this is the You room. all know each other. Okay. You're so, another dumb American. So I, I, you know, and this is typical. Like my brother, <laughs> I, I had to be the one that would always actually do. Yeah. Execute it. Yeah. yeah. He came up with the idea and then yeah. you're the chump. Like, that's, put it like my whole life. Of you course. Know, when you have an you're older a brother. little brother. Yeah. So I'm like, you do the dirty work. I'm like, all right, you're so, going to hand it to Lou. So I slide it under his door. Yeah, you did. And I, you know, knock, we take it to the eighth floor or whatever. And he's, he's like, like, like a mile away from the elevator, oh right? So I have to slide this, this massive hotel. And run. <laughs> yeah, I slide into the door, <laughs> knock on the door, right? And just fucking haul ass. So, the, the you know, we never and actually saw him. The- oh, 100%. That's what we heard as the elevator doors are closing. So imagine you're in Japan. You're Lou Reed. Yeah. You're in Japan. There is a fucking headshot face down <laughs> underneath the door. And you pick it up. And you're like, this is fucking insane so we had such a laugh uh about that you know that that moment that's a, that's a that's a good story speaking of headshots is mm-hmm. the headshot of a young Ahmed zappa in any 
dry cleaner in the valley? Maybe flares on Laurel Canyon Adventure? No, no one, no one cared enough. But uh, <laughs> my, no, you know, the only place that's hanging up actually is in my little sister's house because I think I wrote to her. Uh, you know, like I love you on, on a, a headshot on a headshot, which is like you know she she just loves it. She has it fucking framed and you know, oh yeah, uh, hung on her wall, yeah. which is fucking embarrassing. I think she has. Oh no, Michael, my, a friend of mine has a, a an old headshot of mine. But there, there, you dress as Superman is in the one on one diner. For those of you listening at home, yeah, you ever one, eat at the one on one, Franklin? The, one of the big mistakes I, I and I don't really. I, I maybe there's still time to do this, but what I always wanted to do is buy a bunch of old headshots, right? Yeah, and forge just the most horrific notes to me from <laughs> right, all right. of these people. Latoya Jackson, hey, yeah, Amit, yeah, you scumbag, whatever. <laughs> like what you what you did to me on July fourth, nineteen eighty five. I will never forget. Whatever it is, right? Right. Um, and plaster them in a bathroom. Yeah. That was always that's, been like my sort of good secret idea. fantasy. Yeah, it's a good idea. Of like the worst poster. Eric Estrada. And, but everything from the 80s. I mean, Fuck I, you, I, Amit. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. That'd yeah. be amazing. Keep reaching for the Andy Gumps. <laughs> Love, Gary Coleman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Whatever it is. Rick Schroeder. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, Amit. Yeah. Might want to try putting your hand in a garbage disposal. Love Rick. <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa Milano. Yep. Never liked you. Bear Mace. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just w- nothing would make me happier. Oh, my God. So, That's good. You know what? I love that idea. That's the, the, a genius idea, this by is, the way. This is the thing. I feel like we should start this kind of a club where. There used to be that place in Hollywood Club, where, where you Dreams could just where you could go and buy all those kind of publicity yes. headshots. I, we can get them. Let's let's go and find them and yeah. start a uh, almost like uh, you know the, the Far Side, Glenn Larson. You know the, the that is Glenn Larson, right? The Far Side, yeah, the comic, yeah. But but uh, Glenn Larson is not the guy who created Knight Rider, right? Yeah, he is. So then, is it the Gary same name? Gary Larson? Gary Larson. Gary Larson, I think, the far side. But well, that would be so cool. Mike Larson. <laughs> it would be so cool. By the way, the far side, best comics ever. So to, to, to make the point is we should try to be as funny as that guy on Headshots. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. My favorite far side is there's a picture of a guy looking. He's in his apartment, and he's looking out the window. And there's a bunch of people that with signs, like picketing signs, and the caption uh, there's like signs that say down with Wayne. Right. And the <laughs> caption underneath the cartoon is the world needed a scapegoat. They found Wayne. <laughs> the, the, uh, thing ever. the, 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 you know, who has a great collection of, uh, of headshots is the liquor store. That's on the corner of Colfax and Moore park. I'm just saying they've, they've got, but they've got headshots up there from like 1989 and they never, they just never. Yep. They never reloaded. You, and every single headshot in there, someone like goes and puts their sobriety chip next to it. Like every single one of those people. Yeah. That's the valley. Right. That's that, the valley. You know. That's the valley. Yeah. Valley Suzanne recovery. Summers. Yep. Sober. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Amit, you know, it's time to wrap this up. We had a, a very emotional. I feel like we had a little bit of an emotional uh, podcast today. I enjoyed myself. Thank uh, you for having well, me on I mean, the show. It, it was. It was. Well, it's an honor. I mean, you're one of the most important figures in my life. 
You've been there. Yeah, cockfighting for me. is illegal in California, <laughs> so we can't really expose our boners. I'm just and, saying you've been there for me in good times and bad times. Dick you're Jitsu. a great friend. You're funny as shit. And I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Thank you so much for doing this. I love you this. to pieces. I love you to pieces. And uh, next time you come back, we'll do Human League. Or we'll Please. do Roxy Music. Or we'll no, do, no. We'll do you, Bananarama. You had me at Human League. Yeah, we'll do Human League. We'll do someone that you don't know. Cool. I don't like Richard Sheltinga thank you for making it sound good Amit welcome back thank you love you 